0: Welcome to Grange TV, first ever podcast with Mr. David Roberts, TAFE extraordinaire and the reigning, defending, undisputed UFC middleweight champion of the world, Mr. Robert Whitaker. Welcome, guys. Welcome to our listener.
1: <laughs> the listener. <single>. There's one.
0: The <laughs> one listener. Welcome. You're a good person. Hi. guy Mom. <laughs> Go, Rob.
1: Hit us. Introduce yourself to us. My name is Rob Whitaker, I am a UFC middleweight, I'm the current UFC middleweight champion. Um, yeah, you know, um, I'm pretty good at fighting, <laughs> I'd like to think, and uh, yeah, I love it, love it. Awesome. Dave, can you tell us a little
0: bit about yourself?
2: I'm not going to be on camera, but I'm Dave, I work for TAFE Wales. I'm the undisputed champion of Aboriginal programs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so pretty much, um, firstly, thanks, for, thanks to you guys for being involved in the GAP program. It's been great having you on board and we've been changing a lot of um, people's lives in community. So thanks for that.
0: All right, we'll talk a little bit about the GAP program in a sec. I just want to take my first ever opportunity to introduce myself to people on any sort of media. And um, my name is Fabricio. I work with Rob a little bit. Um, with my business partner Alex Priders we run Gracie Smeet and Grange and I'm also a teacher here at TAFE Um, been a TAFE teacher for about 13 years or something like that. Um, Dave do you want to explain a little bit about the GAP program a little bit about Rob's role in the GAP program?
2: Yeah so pretty much um, you know Fab and I've been working together for a while and um, we've always wanted to try a new ways to engage Aboriginal people in programs and stuff like that um, so we've worked on Defence Fire and Rescue a, a, any any sort of big industry partnership program you can think of Fab and I've done it um, but we've always had this sort of passion to look at sort of you know how do we use contemporary sort of you know mixed martial arts mediums to communicate to kids because you know rob you've you 've studied yourself and sometimes the jargon and the crap that they talk about in class you can 't understand, but if you put it into real context of like you know this is how it 's going to impact on your body this is how you've got to eat to be a professional athlete, it changes stuff and then to have yourself come onto the program and reinforce that and say hey i 'm live down the road and this is how I do it and i 'm
0: a champion it, it's' it 's trippy right like what kind of um Cause it'll be probably hard for, for Rob even days as a narcissist to explain. <laughs> what would his impact be in community?
2: I think um that, that, the hardest part is there's no words to describe it. Like when, when you're coming from you know oh, I grew up in the local Minto area house commission you know, not, you know, no real, real role model. And, you know, even now sitting at the table with someone who is going to Las Vegas and fighting on the grandest stage and the the stories and the knowledge that comes with that, how can you not be inspired? So taking that to a little kid down in Bree Warrenor or you know, we've taken you out to some of the those those remote communities, how do you comprehend that magnitude and realise that these people exist just not on a, a little screen on the com- on the computer or on the TV? <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Um I just this is a long intro for you, Rob, but I I forget a lot because I see Rob all the time. I see you all the time, so I don't really get it sometimes until say we've been out in community and I see the impact that it has on the kids do you want to talk a little bit what that's been like for you like the
1: the GAP program which is the Gracie Aboriginal Pathways program yeah so the GAP program has been probably one of the biggest impacts to me as a person in 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 my entire life really you know apart from obviously a major milestone such as having a family getting married Uh, as a person and, and the rate of growth that I, I I underwent was massive when I went out to these communities, like Marie and Tablam and then they got to meet these kids, got to meet these guys that, you know, they, they, they genuinely look up to me and they genuinely look up to me and, um, yeah, you know, that kind of puts a responsibility on my shoulders to, to give them something worth looking up to and uh, just to also show them that I'm not much more different than you guys, you know, I just apply my skill set differently. What was uh, what was tapping like? Remember when we went to catch the turtles? And I caught, I don't know, I caught 30 or 40 turtles that day. Okay, you caught absolutely none. And the, the few that, our, our, the new, that our, our lovely you know host did catch, he, he told you to hold on to it. He says, hold on to it. And I was like, Fab, I'm coming. Hold on to it. Because I've never seen a river turtle, ever. Did you get to see it? I didn't it? even get to touch it. I didn't see it, didn't touch it. And I walked over and I was like, Fab... Don't Just hold on to it, mate. Don't do anything. And then I hear a scream and a yelp. And, and then it was gone. And I go, what happened, mate? And he goes, and I quote, you said it went for my jugular." Yes. I heard the same story. It was the Ninja Turtle. It was a Ninja Turtle, apparently. What was that? Let's, let's not talk about it. Let's just talk about what Tablin was like. Um, it was it was absolutely beautiful to, to go out there in the Northern Rivers. was absolutely beautiful to go out there. The, the water was crystal clear. There was no sounds except the wildlife, and it, it was one of the most unbelievable experiences I've, I've ever had. You know, trip me out, Dave. Like you know, when we
0: talk about like Aboriginal people and the connection to to country, like the connection to land. Um, I can't say I was connected to the land because I was scared of the turtle, but. <laughs> Like I can honestly see how that would happen. Like if you lived out there, like and you've been living out there for sixty thousand years, like your family have just like the it's so sort of just there's nothing there but you and you and your interaction with with the land, so to speak. Yep. Um, I think that's one of the things you said to me was like
1: was you, you experienced a certain amount of stillness out there. Yeah, it's um it was eerie almost, you know, to, to go out there and you know you think you know silence you know you think you understand what quiet is when you're at home and there's no cars on the road (laughs) and you can't hear much but but going out going out there in early mornings in the northern rivers up there like you there's there was nothing there's there's like it's so quiet and natural that it makes its own sort of noise that resonates with you and yeah, you know, I, I, I think that's as close as I've ever become one with nature, to, to be fair. And I think I'm still a great deal away from it, but it was absolutely unreal. I um, I
0: think they're going to talk about me for a long time. <laughs> How about, uh,
1: did you come close to catching a kangaroo? I heard that you guys came close to catching a kangaroo. Okay, so, every, the, the cart train stopped all of a sudden. And we hopped out, and Cody Walker's uncles and then and, and brothers were out there bare, barefoot, flying up the up these mountains, down these mountains, just just flying after this kangaroo. And I, I had shoes on, and I'm trying to navigate, like which which trail do I take? And it was a, it was i I was butchering the Bear, wildlife trying they, to chase
0: this. They team. were chasing the kangaroo because um, they shot it. Yeah, right. Somebody shot it, and they're chasing the kangaroo and I was watching him run down the escarpment barefoot and I was watching I didn't even try and I was watching Rob navigate it and I had this thing of calling Dana White (laughs) saying look he was chasing a kangaroo down a ravine and uh, he fell over and he's going to be out for a while he's broken his neck (laughs)
1: and uh, yeah Yeah, that was was in the lead up to Romero too (laughs) that was that was in the lead up to Romero yeah it was um, not, the, not the smartest idea But it was great fun It was Like and You know what spun me out It was like they, they, were, they were walking Barefoot through nettles Yeah I don't know if you guys Have ever been hit With a nettle But it hurts me. Yeah remember I got hit with a nettle Yeah And it, it stings It flares
0: up And then it's itchy And and Eli That works He was saying to me That you should piss on it
1: <laughs> <laughs> No No <laughs> How how crazy was that, but it just seeing the way they like um we, we the the car train stopped again earlier on and they hopped out and they said we saw a goanna. and it was like this big and, and they were like looking for it in the bushes like trying to trying to grab it I was, I was like staying two cars behind going. yeah you found it yeah boys i'm not putting my hand near any holes where there's a goanna this big yeah like that's not happening but they unfazed unfazed different way of life it's cool though it's really cool
2: yeah it's it's amazing because like i love seeing that when we we do a traditional sled on it now but imagine back in the day when they just had a spear (laughs) and they're miles away and you got to throw it then you end up having to chase it around like no wonder why, like, people, like, were super thin and fit back then, because he wouldn't eat. And you,
0: you know what's crazy about that as well? Like, let's say you threw a boomerang at something, but you would have to spend three weeks making a boomerang. Yeah. It's not like you could just go buy one. You'd have to spend three weeks making a boomerang, peg it at something, <laughs> miss, go down and get it, because you spent three weeks. Yeah, I wouldn't would, miss
2: yeah, yeah, so so we we started doing traditional axe making here, and that process would take us up to like two three weeks, and that's just like a little chunk of wood with a rock in it. So you, you get it, you get a new taste of like what's it like to live. You know, like we take so much stuff for granted, and back then,
0: I think the connection as well with with land is not is is like when you see, say, how much effort it takes mm. to catch one little turtle. And imagine you want to have a, you want to you want to have a feed of a ninja turtle that goes for the juggler, dude. That, that was crazy. That turtle. So you, I'll put my I, I was trying to give everyone the experience. I'll put my my life on the line. But I'm saying, imagine you, you you'd have to catch how many turtles? Thirty turtles for? Oh, Depending That's the families, like the. I so saw some of the families out there. There's like thirty of them. Yep. So you'd have to catch all those turtles. Like how hard it? Like how how like and and you see the meat on your plate you have to go out and catch a kangaroo you have to make the tools to catch the kangaroo yeah. and
1: they did that with our goggles <laughs> oh yeah <look. laughs> they had goggles imagine and then we're swimming and like, I can barely see with goggles and so I'm putting my hand in the mush hoping i just grab something because I'm well, let's be honest I'm not going to see the turtle and uh, then they scream out, "Watch out for eels and yeah. catfish!" And catfish, catfish, catfish are nasty. They yeah. mean, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and that's when I said, "Yeah, I've ha- I've had enough of this experience." <laughs> no, there was, was another <laughs> called Dana White. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. How do you explain that? <laughs> yeah, I was. Oh, uh, he got done by a catfish and then a brown snake,
2: <laughs> a brown snake, and then the an eel
1: just the popped eel out him <laughs> You know, what's you know, what a great experience is um, we on the on the way to the rivers, we we stopped off in some town. That if I were, like, I'll never find it ever again. It was in some gully behind some hill, like. Up. Like a, so far away from civilization, yeah. and Fab was trying to explain a double piccolo to, the <laughs> guy, <laughs> to this guy, who's, <laughs> who has like he, he speaks to like speaks to the community like civilization maybe once every two years or something. And he's like, "Can I have a double piccolo, please?" And the guys are like looking at him like, "Wow." <laughs> That is true. That is true. Coffee was good, bud. I
0: don't think so, bud. <laughs> it was an a piccolo. No. Nah. What was it?
2: Ah, it was dirty water with a bit of milk. So, you know, that's what happens when you take a boy out of Ashcroft and take him to Las Vegas and become...
0: I know. become civilized <laughs> become civilised. Um, on the subject of preparation for Romero, who you did fight, um...
1: What did you think of the fights on the weekend, Romero vs Rockhold? Yeah, you know, I thought it was a great fight to watch. It was, um, it was very unique. I think, I think, I think Romero went out there and, and he looked completely opposite to what he usually does when he goes in there. And I can't, you can't be sure whether because he was mentioning a back injury earlier. You can't, you can't be sure if like it was the back injury and that's what prevented him from, from not doing his usual explosive unorthodox movement patterns or if it was a game plan because it worked so well you know um, he stood in that perfect range for rockhold predicted all his strikes you know all his strikes all his combos and Rockhold couldn't kick because he always leaves the kick or tries to doesn't really set up his kick too well uh, he'd check it when um, Rockhold would work with his combos, no more than two or three, he'd block them, you know. Um, and then he'd just explode moving forward, landing punches, not overextending too much, and once he started realising, okay, he's not knocked out, he backed it up, took a breath, did absolutely nothing till he was ready to explode again. Uh, genius or injured? Who knows? Were you impressed? Uh, yeah, I was, I, was, I was impressed. I was impressed with... Uh, with Romero's confidence in Rockhold's patterns. He was... For, for, for Romero, for anyone to go in there and, and put on that sort of game plan, and that sort of show, he had undoubted confidence and prediction of what Rockhold was going to do. And Rockhold did it. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that for
0: what it is that you're seeing because you I, I was sitting next to you we were actually watched over the GAP program um, I was sitting next to you and you predicted quite a few things that were occurring in the fight and through my I'm a very perceptive person and I realize that you've probably done this stuff before so um, I'm like this like
2: oh, no, you're always on fire man, man, <laughs> on fire, man. never
0: take a day off um, so
1: explain what you meant by confidence in the patterns if you could elaborate on that for us okay do you if you looked at the fight that Rockhold had earlier uh, with, with Branch and you wrote down what Rockhold did in that fight, you know, jab, cross, fadeaway hook, or check hook, lead left calf kick, lead left calf, calf kick, right push kick, and you just wrote that down and then you gave it to Romero. Romero went, uh, okay, and he, he built his whole game plan and structure and style this Only this Just this And he went in there With, with his confidence That's why he had About 70% Striking defence Was Because Rockhold was doing Everything That Romero Knew he was going to do And Once Rockhold I don't know Like once Like they started the fight Rockhold threw Two low Calf kicks Romero Which checked him Quite nicely Injured Rockhold's calf Stopped kicking He was always out of range For that he never exploded forward for that, that right lead body kick. You know what I mean? You were preparing to fight Rockhold. So just for
0: the viewers, like sometimes when people are explaining, like Rob's explaining his opinion, just you're preparing for Rockhold. Like you're not, you're not uh, oversimplifying
1: or saying that Rockhold is an easy fight. I mean, oh, by no means. Rockhold's one of the most dangerous fighters because he has a game plan that is very, very dangerous. And if he gets that off, you're done. As he's shown, like all the way up through to his title shot, to having the title. What do you What do you think um,
0: would have been the key things for Rockhold to do to implement his game plan? A, what could
1: he have done different? He needed to put more pressure on Romero. He needed to He needed to keep Romero guessing, and he needed to keep him off him. He needed to change angles when he backed up to avoid getting hit with the with his heavy hands. He can't. He just moved back in one line, and that. You, know, you saw the way Romero flurries in And that's not something new Romero's done He's done that a bunch of times Where he just goes in and throws heavy lead over the top Usually finishes with a takedown Wasn't interested in a takedown this fight but, um, but that's what he does Rockhold was just moving back in a straight line Once his back hit the fence He had nowhere to go Took some big shots How good's Romero? in in, in what fighting (laughs) at salsa (laughs) we all know he's very good at salsa he's great at salsa (laughs) yeah Um, at fighting I think he's when you fought him like you fought him so how good is he? he he's very good he is so unpredictable and I think half the time that is because he doesn't know what he's doing until he does it he he hit me with like I think three back to back flying knees back to back just one Two, three. Um, that's not a combo you work. I don't, I don't, I don't know any striking coach like it. None of my striking coaches have ever said, "You know what, Rob? Let's let's do this today." <laughs> um, his combos—they, I don't. You can't look at his combo the way he finished Rockhold and say he practiced that. <laughs> you know, he just because they, they, he's swinging from so many different angles. He punched the dude's leg A couple of times That was weird Like uh, He says I there's a method To his madness Because I find him Incredibly intelligent well, He knows His skill sets And he knows What he needs to do And what works So if he starts work, moving in his unorthodox patterns, and he's got heavy hands, and then he's got you guessing like, is he going to back fist my thigh? Is he going to shoot? Is he going to flying knee me? Your mind's all over the shop, and all he needs to worry is about, what am I going to do next? <laughs> you know, and just wait till something hits you. Because that's how he's finished so many guys. It's just a matter of time where, mm, which one's going to land? Which one's going to finish you? Which one's going to hurt you? And I'm going to pounce on you.
0: How uh, difficult is it to implement a game plan to try and keep him off you?
1: It's 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 very hard because he can he can close the gap very very fast. He's very explosive, you know. And you know, contrary to his look, he doesn't look it. But no, he's, he looks weak. <laughs> he's he looks very weak and slow. <laughs> he's very explosive. So um, and the thing is, he's not just explosive. He doesn't just move forward. He moves. He does like a hop, skip, duck under, then he goes forward and does all that in the, the in, in, in like one second. So um unpredictably explosive is a dangerous mix for everyone not to mention he's got the work ethic he won't quit he'll go out on a shield and he's tough as names how like because uh, I'm involved with your coaching
0: and that and I remember even with the when we were there and the embedded people and other people were saying to us he's going to gas and I never thought he was going to gas and people still say it now they said oh he slowed down and how much did
1: Romero gas in those five rounds? The, the thing is, like, no less than I did. You know, um, it's just that he starts to slow down from from what he was in, the, like, the first round or like, the first 30 seconds of every round, and he starts to look human. <laughs> you know, he goes from so explosive and erratic and unpredictable to moving normally, like a normal person. And people think that's him slowing down, he's gassing, but... No, he's just moving at normal speed. <laughs> yeah, most of his finishes have all come in the third round. In the late rounds. And he's like he, he, he flying knee um Chris Wagner in the third round. Yeah. like it's a third round knockout and a flying knee. If you're tired and you're gassed, you're not flying knee. He flying knee you late in the fight too. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of times. He um yeah, like he, he's always got He's always got it in him. He's got gas. His his tempo is different though, and uh, I think a lot of people don't understand his tempo because of how erratic and unpredictable it is. What's uh so? What are some of the things you do to to deal with that? To beat Romero, you need to you need to take the fight with him. You can't be worried about his his wrestling, his takedowns, his power. You can't you can't fall into his game plan because that's that's what his entire game plan is, is to make you worry about him he's like what am I going to do next and that's what he wants you to think you need to just say I'm going to work the body I'm going to work straight line punches so that he can't get a shot off and I'm just going to keep going forward and I'm just going to keep backing him up so he has nowhere to move and then you just, you just got to try and hit him you got to just try and do damage so like myself or David we could implement that easily
0: easily we could do it then yeah. tomorrow <laughs> how hard is it though with all, all jokes aside is how hard is that because you said that how hard is that to implement oh,
1: ridiculously hard He uh, he's so hard to hit <laughs> he moves so well he moves left and he can right take a shot back. too and he's tough so not only is it hard to actually get to hit him once you've hit him he just looks at you and he did this in the fight with me he goes I was like you're a bastard shut
0: up you know how sometimes you do that but you know you hurt the good Yeah.
1: You, did you think you'd actually not at, hurt at all him? I knew I didn't hurt him <laughs> What'd you hit him with? I kick I kicked him in the face and he just gets <laughs> and I was, I was like yeah, you're a jerk. How hard did you did you get it? It was more foot than anything, it wasn't shin. Um, but like still the no I wasn't even demoralised because I knew you look at him and you don't think weak chin. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know you're not gonna get it's yeah, it's, it's gonna like, be a big night. It's one of those yeah, it's one of those guys like I need to cut you up so that the ref stops it or I need to hurt you to the point where you're dying and the ref throws in the towel or your, your teammates are in the towel and something like that which I don't think is going because his teammates are as crazy as he is <laughs> yeah, he had a really good corner in that, in that thing
0: I, I really liked him like, yeah, uh, def- I, loved his, I loved his translator he didn't have him here in, in Perth
1: yeah you know well to be fair um, Romero did a lot of his own talking <laughs> He, he did spoke, spoke for himself a lot He did He absolutely did <laughs> And he's broken English
0: He's the best eh? I, I actually liked him I gave him a hug That day And he like
1: I, saw, I said come out to Australia And teach me some Teach me some tricks you No, know, I think I'm going to have to Take that off her of back <laughs> no, Later Probably after But he's like He's He's like a Put together dude man <laughs> Like um, Find one other 40 year old That looks like him And does what he does Cause you can look like him but you can't move I that. can't look like him any age like, maybe, maybe not you not me either like I don't have the body for it but um, there are they're, they're guys in their 40s that are jacked and yeah. lift a lot of weights and look very good they body build and whatnot but can you do a backflip in the octagon no just as you warm up that's what it does have you seen him do it yeah, yeah. to see, it.
0: see if it does a backflip yeah. backflip it's like can you do that uh, but on that you know it's just because I, I hear this sometimes when people talk like you, you um, you can win a fight, and you can look good winning a fight. Say against like Jacare, who's in my opinion was absolute legend.
1: If you had to fight Jacare again, what's how, how do you feel with that? It's fifty-fifty. It's he is an absolute killer. He's one of the best fighters in the world. You think he's never lost before? You think he, he doesn't know how to come back from adversity? So he in the top five. You've done that You've been there And especially at his calibre He's done that He's been there He's come back from losses So uh, I have to take the fight As if I have every chance Of losing again And I need to prepare To fight the best dude In the world Which he is, you know, He's one of the best dudes Best fighters in the world And uh, I need to give him That respect Otherwise I won't do him justice And I'll lose How tough was he? Oh, super tough I, uh, I was landing a lot Of good shots on him you know, I was, I was landing a lot of good shots And even even when I was, I landed that last kick And he went to the ground And I was trying to finish him And I was landing big elbows Big hands Big heavy shots And he was cut up Bleeding um, He was still moving and Dude, he recovered guard I'm pretty sure if the ref let it go He would have like Fucking He would rolled into it and, and 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 just You know Pulled guard And then it would have a jiu-jitsu match It would have been horrible he he he's, he's like one dude that as
0: I was watching the fight like because I'm a huge fan of his, obviously I was going for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, on the walkout, I looked around
1: and when Jacare was walking out, I was looking around, I saw all
0: I the Fab and he's on. I was <laughs> like, fan, mate. I was like come, fan, mate. I'm I'm like, come on, mate. <laughs> I wasn't just in case anyone uh, anyone doesn't know. But um no, I'm a huge fan of Jacare I'm huge. And uh it was, was kind of like I was like, like he's not going to quit. You know what I mean? He's not. He's going to go out and shield shield completely. And because um, oh, as much, it just make kind of makes you sad. You know what I mean? Like for me, anyways. Like, but um, he took some shots. Mm. So tough. Such a tough guy. Huge respect. I have a question for you because uh, it was one of the fights that. for me like as a fan watching you fight and everything there were two fights that three kind of thing that that were really impressive to me that when I saw you fight I was like man this this guy's gonna go the whole way because I mean I'd seen you before and I always thought you were talented but the Stephen Thompson fight when I saw you fight Stephen Thompson because I was I was well aware that um, who Stephen Thompson was at the time and uh, I remember when you got matched up with him and you were very young and he was, he, he, was, he was good he was looking good I think he, around the time the only loss he'd had was to Matt Brown and Stephen Thompson was really green at the time um, that was a fight that I really thought man Rob this Rob
1: kid can go what, the whole way what, what was that fight like? Um, yeah it was tough uh, to be honest like, to, to be perfectly honest is it wasn't a good fight for me I think um, I had a lot of growing to do in terms of like where I was who I was as a person who I was as a man and uh, where I wanted to go with my career in mixed martial arts and and how I was going to get there and um, at the time I was spending a lot of time overseas and away from my family and I had um, I'd lost touch with a lot of a lot of things that that just made me who I was so um yeah, the, the training was disturbed. I was away from my family. I was feeling that. I was feeling homesick. You know, um, I was I was missing all my my strongest supporters, which was my family, my father, and my mother, and, 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 and my missus at the time. And not um, at the time. So I was going to say current wife. Sorry. As of, as of today, like <laughs> I thought they were still married. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> um, yeah, and. Don't worry, no one's gonna see this. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent, she's not gonna watch it. Um, so yeah, and um, I wasn't confident in my training. I wasn't, I wasn't. I didn't really want to be there. And uh, I feel personally that reflected in, in my fighting style because I'm a very emotionally driven fella. So when I'm happy, I do well. When I'm happy and I'm feeling good, I perform well. And I've, I've always known that about myself. You know, when I'm when I'm sad and angry, I I display that. So um, I was kind of down. I was down and confused. And I feel that fight really does symbolize that. And he's a good guy to fight like that. On the best of days. If I was at my best, he would have been, he's, he's uh, he was, probably still would have beaten me. Um, yeah, so I didn't stack the chips in my favor for that fight. And that was, the, that was the second fight I had done that. The first one being Cord McGee. Which was kind of the starting. That was point. another fight that I was
0: impressed with, because uh, you were young, you were coming up. Like that were just—I I wasn't working with you. I think
1: you were working with with Henry at the time. Um, were you a tri-star for both those fights? Yes, I was, and that was that was kind of the that was kind of the starting point for me. Where I was like, that was, that was the start of my down down slope, because that was when I started spending a lot of time overseas, a lot of time from my family, a lot of time from you know all the things that made me me, and that's when I started losing myself. In direction of training, where I wanted to go, what did I want to do, who I wanted to be, and uh, it was after the Stephen Thompson loss that I had a real hard sit down, and it was kind of those crossroads where I'm either going to fix things up and continue on this path and, and continue fighting and doing more things, or I'm going to just not and just go downhill, do something else. But like well, when you came back, you
0: rekindled your relationship with Henry and with your other coaches and whatnot, and. Uh, I don't know how much, how much did that make a difference? Like, or yeah. do, you, do you think it was just that? Or do you think it was just, it coincided
1: with the fact that you took those losses and
0: you, and you matured?
1: It, it was definitely, and that's the thing, I always I always think about this, I remember I, I always, I, we always have talks about, about the butterfly effect and going back in time, if you could change this, would it change everything else? And, and that's the thing, so I, I can't say, that I regret those fights. I regret doing what I what I did because it all led me to to here, which is a pretty good position right now, um, and a much happier position. Um, the biggest thing for me was when I come home and I started rekindled my relationship not with, only with my coaches, but, but with my my, my my girlfriend and my family, my dad, my my brother, sister, and I, re, I rekindled that relationship. And in doing that and in having that foundation under me again, I was a much happier person. I was a much more confident person. And uh, then that translated over to, Emma, to my training, and then my training translated into my fighting. And, and and that's the kind of mentality that I and we have kind of been reinforcing along our path and this whole run up to the title and with the title now. How important do you think of Dave for you as well? Like, how important? do you reckon
0: having the your mind right having your relationship with your
1: partner all of that is for your performance in the workplace for either one of us well, um well I think everyone can relate to this if you have an argument with your missus and you go to work <laughs> everyone coughs it so everyone green. coughs it I've, I've been there when someone has forgotten to bring fab back a kombucha <laughs> and the wrestling session feels it Trust me, mate. The so, passive, passive anger yeah. is, you know, through and the roof. But uh, imagine that on... Imagine, imagine <laughs> that. Yeah. Like tenfold, ten, yeah. Eight weeks away from your family and, and you're just feeling alone and lost. And uh, and then you have to go fight the best dude in the world you of know, And They're all the best dudes, but hey. Yeah, like, yeah. it's like... Like, the hardest fight's the next one yeah you're gonna go I oh, know you rank ranked number 7 yeah it makes it easier. Easier. <laughs> it makes it easier it makes it easier much easier this isn't a game <laughs> it's, not, it's not a video game with numbers it's yeah but like you, you tell me like how do you feel the emotions from like your family translate over to your workplace uh,
2: I think if you don't get grounded in your home life and your family life other stuff is Pointless, like, or what? What people do, and I see this a lot, is you overcompensate. So you go full on at work, and the other stuff gets completely left behind. Um, so trying to find that balance where you keep everyone happy, because you know, you know, trying to do stuff that's improving your life, the wife will get <laughs> mad at you as well. And if you don't spend time with your wife and you neglect the work, then she's angry again because she don't have a job so um, so so yeah I always said a fab it's just like stay single
1: dude <laughs> I I actually learned that probably I don't know about a year ago it's like you can't I think that's the word of today is balance <laughs> I think I think that that has to be it because exactly like you said you put too much time into work and then you go no, I'll spend the weekend with you And then the weekend comes And you're like I really don't want to spend the weekend Watching your crap TV shows Oh whoa whoa. This is Rob (laughs) saying This is Rob and David talking like this This is not fair. I I, I really just want to play League of Legends with my mates And then then And it it just doesn't work No No I'm not (laughs) He's shutting up
2: Smart move. That, that that that's our second line of defence. It's just like then you're just like am um, quiet My yes. Thank you. And <laughs> and oh, well, to your About Oh yeah, no. We'll watch your um your your random girly T V show for the next forty eight hours and pretend to love it. Oh you gotta pick your balance Yeah. <laughs> you gotta pick your balance So 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 is the relationship the hardest fight you ever fought or is it Nice
1: no. That, that's that's a. I think that's a bit of a war. It's constant struggle, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it just, it's just it's always on. It's always, it's always, on. always on. It's always on. But, <laughs> and
0: yeah. and if that if that if you if that's off, but well, like your home life is off, and then people forget these No, it's not just Robert Whittaker. It's like any single person that goes to work, and on top of which, any of the fighters, you don't even know when you watch a fighter, and people go, you know what the problem is. Like it's his job And you're like You don't even know You have no idea man Like the boys probably had
1: Like Anything could have happened Like The same stuff that happens To anyone could have And that's why Our our little Our little thing was like Family needs to be right The training needs to be right They both need to be right To get the results You need to get Everything has to be Done properly You know And that's a big thing We've always Kind of reinforced But like here's a little Funny thing On the way out To fight Stephen Thompson I played an DC song walkout song and it made me think of my dad and I almost cried on the on the, on the walkout because I had seen him for like eight weeks and that's and that messed me up yeah. like I was like you know when you' start choking up and you feel a lump in your in your chest and I was like man I shouldn't picked this song
0: and that was uh, on the walkout to Stephen Thompson the walkout to Stephen Thompson and and he's a absolute killer too yeah so <laughs> You should have been walked out there crying. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: should have walked out there. I'm not to here. Again, I didn't suck the chips in my favor. Imagine that then. Yeah, just so Tears, <laughs> gushing. It's like, not not just crying, like hysterical sobs. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: why it's fascinating. How do you get into that mindset, eh? Like, so you just said music... Plays a big role because it brings music's emotionally driven. So, like, what is it like? Because to me, you're walking into a cage with another guy who wants to kick the crap out of you.
1: Um, I, so, me personally, like, I, I, I enjoy fighting. So, I, I get it. I get nervous and excited at the same time. So, you know, that that kind of is the first part that drives me to get in there in the first place. You have to want to be there. You know what I mean But on the way out I try to block out everything I mentally have exercises That I, I block out everything I, I visualize Like walls in my head That I put up And I, I try to drown out the crowd And just focus on what I need to do And um Yeah when I get in there I'm just focusing on what, I, what Not what I need to do Just Just where I am At the time Because what I need to do Is going to happen regardless I've, I've put in the work My, my body's going to react No matter what happens So um it's just it's just about being in the moment yeah. and, 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 and understanding where we are, what I'm doing. And, and, and that's why it really annoys me when my opponent is death staring the absolute shit out of me. <laughs> like, it, it does my head in. He's just like, I'm like, look somewhere else. And I don't want to be the first one to look away. So we, we are locked here staring <laughs> at each other for forever (laughs) it's like I want to look around I want to see the (laughs) crowd I want to see the lights I want to see if I can see my missus Um, but yeah so everyone has different things they but be present in the moment that's I that's a good thing but in fairness
0: knowing you how I know you I know inherently you're a fighter there's no like Rob's not like you know personal trainer that does some fighting like he's Mm -hmm. Just your job Yeah, more than his job, I yeah. think, in um in Tefer would call it his vocation. Okay. Um, so no, it's, it's absolutely like, because I think if you say it's his job, it implies that Fab could do it. Yeah. And Fab couldn't do it.
1: <laughs> i are laughing me. What would you fucking laugh at me for? I love you when you talking about yourself in third person. <laughs> that Fab could do it. Fab could not do it. <laughs> That's so horrible, man. That's a
0: horrible thing to be <laughs> like that. I'm complimenting you. Yeah, I'm complimenting you. Unbelievable. But, um, yeah, it would imply that I could do it or that Fab could do it Fab can't do it. Um, so, I don't think, how many people do you look at, oh, not in the top five, top ten, I think those guys more or less inherently are what they are, but how many guys do you necessarily see Obviously, the people that come through the gym and go, I want to be a fighter in the NA that. But how many people do you look at and you go, dude, you probably shouldn't be fighting. Because like, I, I see different reactions. I see guys that the nerves um, the nerves get torn, but they still... That, that, that's not... Well, they might even cry, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to fight. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's just... A physical manifestation of the adrenaline or whatever that doesn't mean anything you can cry or you can whatever um you know you might oh you might not but you might throw up before a big speech you still go out like, and give a good speech you know what yep. i mean that doesn't mean that you don't but how many guys do you see that you can sort of tell that they shouldn't be there well as in coming in through the gym or, uh, or, or in the, the UFC, in the UFC, and the upper upper echelon
1: of the regional shows. It's uh, like it's it's funny because who am I to say where where they should be? Because obviously they've gotten there f- through some reason or another. So I'm finding that little concept hard to get. Oh, okay, there. no, no, my, my mistake. You look at a guy like Jacare. Hmm
0: unequivocally to me he looks like you better hit him with a shovel because mm. yeah. he's not going away right. but then there's other guys that
1: oh, yeah 100% I understand what you, you're do 100%. you get what I mean? yeah and there's I think there's a lot of them in the top 20 up that there, there's a lot of guys that they don't relish the fight it doesn't come naturally to them they're just really talented and good at it and there's, there's big separation in those two. There are guys that, I, I don't like talking about myself, but like me and like Jacare and like Romero, that when we get put under pressure, our body does things, our body changes our instincts and our responses are different to, to other people. Because that's that's just where we thrive in, in the heat of combat. You know, and there's a lot of guys like that at the real high upper echelon that I think that's what you need to break into that top five championship champion sort of things um, and then there's guys that are just super gifted and they've picked MMA but it could have been anything and they're good at it and they they use their talent and their ability to go as far as they can until they hit a guy that is as talented as them and works as hard as them but has a mentality set a mental a mind frame of dude you, girls, you have to kill me in here Put me away, and that's a big thing. Is is, is that kind of where you were? Yeah. So, so you see that a lot. Like you, can you see that I'm asked massively? Okay. Like I think a good example of that is is my. And this is my personal opinion because obviously, I but I don't have a doctorate in anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have So full from tape, it's <laughs> that's true. I do, but I don't think it grants me to call me Doctor Rob. Um, But Uriah Hall I think is very much like that He's got all the talent in the world But when push comes to shove And he's backed into a corner You know I think there's just something in him that says Maybe I don't want to fight today Maybe I'd rather be in in a pool Cruising about just chilling Maybe I don't need to do this But then I think he's like Well but then it pays the bills And I'm really good at it And I've gotten this far how good is he, though? He's unbelievably good. I think he's as talented as anyone else in the in the in the, in the entire division. Because he was, I haven't written here, Uriah.
0: That was my next question I was yeah. going to ask. Was I um I rate him very much, and there was another fight where I was very impressed. I thought you both looked. There was two good strikers fighting, you know, in in, in MMA. Um, and I guess you kind of answered. But how was the fight? Does it? And again, to to, to not. Because I, I don't want you to be misquoted so to speak. Which, What was that
1: fight like? Um, it was a hard fight. He went the distance. So I couldn't put him away. He has a very... He knows what he does. and He, he knows how to win. And he knows what he's good at. And uh, he's another one of those guys that if you play into his game, if he, if he puts his game plan on you, you, you're in for a world of trouble. He's got some dangerous moves. He's got dangerous. The spinning, the spinning highlight reel that he has is unbelievable. You know? And it's not the first time he's done it. It's not, it wasn't like a one-off. He's done it multiple times. Um, so to, to go on a fight with him, you need to, you need to really worry about pushing your game plan on him and making sure he's uncomfortable and he's never in a position where he thrives. And stomp the hell out of his toes. Explain that to me. <laughs> so you're
0: not necessarily let's not explain the strategy because you don't I, I guess let's not you don't want to put it out there on your wire on you know what I mean like, mm. but explain
1: your dad's reaction when you stomping oh, his yeah. toes when I stomped your horses toes my dad looked at me after the fight with utter disgust he goes you are a coward <laughs> <laughs> you stomped his bloody toes wrong. And i was like I had to I could have taken him down And he was kicking me hard And he goes Nah mate Men don't stomp toes So yeah. Wow Thanks dad He's uh And he wasn't impressed with you either Why? Because he blames you for the toe stomping Well it was, it was. I know you already Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So he owned it Oh yeah He was so proud of me Fab was very proud of you. Every time I looked over in the corner Fab was like <laughs> like, you're doing good man. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but he he's a he's
0: a, he was a very gifted guy, like That's unbelievable. Kid. very, very, very dangerous guy. Like he can I and watching him live for me was like the TV, like he looks freaky on TV. TV doesn't do him justice. Like watching him like be like just stand the like, same as Romero, like, Romero's quick, but when you when you see close level change when you see Romero level change in real life like he's here I'm watching him like I'm so I'm watching kind of up like that looking at him because I'm watching him from way outside yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're insane and uh, I watch him drop his level and he just drops it like bang like, but in the middle of like people throwing uppercuts and knees and shit at him and he just drops his level and shoots it's so quick and your role is the same in that you're just watching him, and he's like jumping across a cage, spinning, and just doing it like so easy, so easy. That, that, Giraj was another fight that I thought was, uh, I, was I was impressed, uh, to, to be honest with you, that in, in that particular fight. Something on Romero that you said you were impressed. You were so impressed, in fact, that you tweeted to him in Spanish. Can you tell us what you tweeted to him in Spanish?
1: Wow He puts it on me now He puts it on me He's my translator He knows what I put there Because I had him translate it was, it was It was nice It was very nice of you He's a good guy He really is I think he's crazy <laughs> But aren't we all? Yes I think so eh? But he's, he's, he's a good crazy oh, He's a great crazy He's a great crazy I, I, I like him I really hope to keep in touch with him After our next fight <laughs> And it'll be him for sure you reckon? Dana White, I believe, has said something or released something saying that Romero is next in line. I don't see anyone else that's done what Romero has done. You know, he's beaten the top five. He's beaten everyone in the top five, bar me. And, um, you know, I think it's a fight the fans would like. The first fight was kind of exciting. So, uh, and especially after... What Romero has done to Rockhold, what he did to the division, to be fair, like he's the, he's the scary dude on the block that just goes around st- starching people. So um, I, don't, I don't I don't see another hot fight like that you know, in the works. And the the reality is, if they gave you anybody else, does it change anything? Nah, no rule. Like I've never been fast, and you know the mentality we have as a, as a team is so, like. We've never picked fights. We've never looked for an easy way. We've never tried picking our paths or sitting out and waiting till someone does something else. No, we, you set them up, we knock them down. And we, we plan, we prepare, prepare, and we train accordingly. Because Weidman, would you prefer Weidman over Romero, Romero over Weidman? <laughs> no, ev- everyone propose, uh, presents their own problems and obstacles. And... Uh, there's no easy fights there's, there's no easy fights you know um. Um, I have a question then
0: sort of moving away from that a little bit um, earlier when you were off camera and then, you are talking about your little girl yep. that um, she goes to no, we went school. To high school yep. yeah to Ashcroft high school shout out to the class of 1998 <laughs> that we were both we were both a part of yes what a what a good class it is. Um, none of them are listening So it doesn't Say whatever you want Dave uh, Your sister How old is your sister? 13 And how old is your brother? 12 We're going to get What well, I'm going to do I'm going to do a whole podcast On Henry one day
1: Little Henry wow. um, I don't It's too early to talk to him He's in trouble He's grounded as we speak <laughs> So if Ro Went from
0: And I don't, I don't know that Like Even anyone knows this So, Rob went from being just he and Sophia, to having little Jack, to then having little John, and then had two adolescents live with him, which are pre-adolescents, at that that age group. Um, And now he's got a little girl. So, he went from, like in three years, from no kids to five kids, two of them going to adolescence. So, like, when I when I go around his house and I see that, I am so envious of the of of what it must be like to live
1: in that noise. <laughs> we call it the village because obviously, with five kids out of nowhere, you need support. So we we have we had um, Sophia's mother-in-law, um, mother, my mother-in-law, and her partner move in with us as well to give us a hand so there's the five kids there's me and Sophia and then there's them two wow and uh, when we bought the house it was like it was enough room for everyone it was like Jack's room John's room spare room their room is like perfect and then, just went, and then it was like the Brady Bunch we had kids living in drawers and it went on. there it's like you know when you see
0: movies and that, like the Mexican drug cartel has like a safe house and they've got mattresses and, and uh, there's rooms everywhere it's like that but it's tidy it's nice and tidy it's like a tidy cartel house tidy cartel house and um so so when did when
1: You want to explain, like, your little brother and sister living there? Yeah, so my my little brother and sister live with me. um, They've been living with me for for a year now. They've been living with me before. It's like something in our family. (laughs) They've they've, they've come and and dropped out a couple of times. But um, they live with me now permanently. They they go to school in the area. They've made friends. And, uh, yeah, we get along really well. uh, It's challenging. Adolescence is challenging. um, Especially when it's hard for me as an adolescent yeah there's such a disparity in ages between my kids so you go from just wondering if he's going to spit water on the wall today to well he might steal from the classroom and get expenses suspended <laughs> you know so the disparity is there um, but it, it, it's, it's been great you know there is nothing better for, for my three young ones than having their uncle and aunt you know around to play with them I see the way they, they engage with them and, and and how great it is to have that family bond there. The way Keddy holds the, the kids and, and looks at them and plays the way Henry plays with my, my sons and, and, and tackles them and wrestles them, it's just, you know, there, there's nothing better. There's nothing better than that. And it, it's great not only for my little ones, but for them as well, because they understand the family bond we have and just, you know, I think responsibility at a, at a level. There's a responsibility of them being the older siblings, the, them being the, the role models for the little ones. You know, and uh, it's been it's been great. It's been great for for my adolescent brother and sister, and, and for my my younger ones as well. Any advice you'd like to give
0: to him and having having a you a, a twelve
2: old. year old and then the same the big gap mm. all the way down to five. It is. It's it's tough that their personalities are worlds apart. Um, you're dealing one who you know is is, is crying about spilt milk, and the other one who's still trying to deal with becoming a young lady or a, a young adult, and the stuff that's gone. Oh, I barely made it through my adult yeah.
0: Don't ask me. Or Don't the ha- I was shit adolescent I was the same. Uh, yeah. I failed. I failed at listening to me.
2: <laughs> but but yeah, no, like um, that's a, that's a massive responsibility for taking on top of what you already have to deal with in in, in you know, that's the fine, world. Man. But um, but I think I I just love that you know, you just off that family is the heart of everything, and when you hold that close, like you you can't fail.
1: I saying, I think everyone has their own. Agendas and what what's important to them, but for me, family's huge. So to have that behind me, you know, I, I believe I'm unstoppable, and that's the mentality that got me to to the title, and that's what we're, we're, we're working with now. But I have worked out, but that at 13 years old, my my sister he has has found her love for money. Oh, so she <laughs> she likes what money brings to the table the independence the freedom the goodies she can buy so that puts me in a particular seat of power having the money so uh it's really easy to bribe her to do whatever I want so um that keeps her in check yeah but I heard
0: I've heard that Henry has also
1: got a particular love for money well um Alright, we're doing this here I'll do it And this is your own fault, Henry That's what happens um, this this Henry Henry, this morning Not yes, this morning, yesterday morning Thought My friends have been really nice to me lately And I want to do something nice for them So he went into my wallet Took 50 bucks And went on a spending spree At the canteen <laughs> And um yeah, I, I am. I am dealing with that still because I have explored all possible options. I I went into a fitter of rage. Fit rage. I called everyone. I called my dad. I called Fab. I called my mom. I called everyone, and I just went on to rant. I felt bad for Fab because he he was sick and he was tired, and he spoke to me, and I was so angry, like. <laughs> I had to leave the house. I was, I was that angry. I've never been that angry before. And uh, we started talking about boarding school and military school. <laughs> and I'm serious. And if I made it apparent that um, boarding school's 50 grand, I was like, well, if he's not worth 50 grand. He can have 50 bucks. Like, um, and yeah, and like, obviously, I'm, we're taking the joke out of it now, but it's a serious thing. Stealing's never good, especially when it's your family. But uh, we, we're on top of it now. He's he's currently grounded uh, indefinitely <laughs> until I until work out, you know. It, a it's a hard, hard one to manage too because
2: he actually went out and brought stuff for people and say, hey, free lunch. It wasn't like he went off and brought a brand new pair of jeans or yeah. something selfish. <laughs> But I, I
1: can't reward. You that. can't reward that. <laughs> yeah,
2: That's a tough yeah, one. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, a bad and a good. Yeah, we have to do get some comments on that parenting advice for. Well, well,
1: right now I've got him in isolation. That's pretty good. So like, explain <laughs> that. What do you mean? What does that mean I, you mean? I call that isolation. So I put him in. A, he, he's he's stuck in his room. And I, I even yesterday I was so mad I was thinking I'm gonna take this kid out of school. <laughs> <laughs> so so that he doesn't even get fresh air to go when he's going to school. Like I started I started thinking about prison and laws and like, doing that sort of stuff. Um What like, what's isolation like? He's he's locked in his room and I remember as a kid being stuck in your room for an hour felt like eternity Yeah but I, I realise this, but because um, like he's in his room for a
0: week. Only there. Yeah, but like okay, like because you know the whole Geneva Convention and all that stuff. Like, I, I just, I just want
1: to, I want to know. Like, yeah. food. Can you? <laughs> yeah, he? He can eat. He can relieve himself. There's a bucket. <laughs> but um, but he he's not allowed out. And what's what's great what about, is when, where does he eat dinner? He, he goes. Sophia cracked. I wanted him to eat dinner upstairs. <laughs> In the room Honest to God But when I got home He, he Was downstairs With the family brought him down and I did have it in me To make her cry as well <laughs> But Mate I, I, He'd be in there right now If I had my way He wouldn't be at school He'd be in there For another two weeks Okay So
0: once he eats, What about the rest of the time Like so Does he just sit there Does it's, he have books
1: This is This is this is the best part <laughs> It, not only is he stuck in his room it's not his room it's the spare room. there's nothing in there there's just a bed and he sits there for how long all day Bar school because obviously I'm not there apparently I'm not there him out of school. <laughs> so I mean, when he comes home he, he comes from school apparently when he comes home he sits in the he's in, uh, what time is it yeah he's in the room right now. And, and and there's no TV there's, there's nothing. no TV there's no books there's nothing he's, he's sitting there having a good hard think about himself <laughs> how long is this going to go for? probably a I don't want him to watch the watch he's grounded. it <laughs> <laughs> I, I told him two weeks which how? is a big stretch two yeah, weeks yeah how long is that in Henry's time Th- three years four years <laughs> um he took it on the chin but like, he doesn't complain doesn't whinge he's good like that um but I'll probably let him off in a few days can't imagine myself like in that room
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I remember you grounded him
0: before as well what was that story for? Uh, which one mate? there's two men? Yeah, we were in the car right? and we'd go to training <laughs> and Rob, Rob's been known to give the odd excuse for not coming to training <laughs> that's not easy, <laughs> you know and um, he goes but he got a phone call when he was with me that Henry had a
1: tell the story okay. yeah I okay. I answered my phone and i really excited and keen to go to training as I always am I'm on the way on the road going to training super happy and excited and I get a phone call from my wife going babe you're going to have to rush Henry to the hospital he's eating batteries batteries <laughs> and I said and I said what do you mean he ate batteries he goes yeah he ate batteries But I said why do I have to take him to the hospital he goes because apparently they can they can dissolve your stomach lining and, and all sorts of bad stuff and uh, yeah I was livid that day because he it's not like he was Jack two and a half and ate a battery and didn't know what it was he's 12 yeah. he knows what a battery is and he knows he can read the label on the packet that says do not ingest and he's deleted tell the story how he ate why he ate it? dude did him <laughs> he was with his mates and I'm sure half the dumb things he does is just to show off a little bit and he, he goes over to his mate and says dare me to eat this and his mate goes no, <laughs> don't, no do I don't, <laughs> don't do it and he ate the battery and uh yeah I spent the afternoon in the emergency ward with a crying Henry next to me because I the car trip with me and him was not pleasant not pleasant and uh yeah, that was another fun one. But I've got, I've got tons of them because he's one of those kids that does before he thinks. And we've got a new mantra. How you yeah, like this. And we've got a new mantra he has to repeat to me every day, which is, think before I act. When does he say it? Every day when I ask him, I go, what's your mantra Henry?" He goes, think before I act.
0: <laughs> it's the best. It's the best. He's a great kid, man. He does. Yes, he's a good kid. Yeah, he he's comes to grappling. Kid. He grapples twice a week at the gym. Her, he grapples how many credits does she grapple? Three or four. Oh do you know yeah, three or four. Yeah, three or four and she helps out. Well, she's, she's she's got a job. Yeah. She's got she a does, job at the gym now. She Oops. helps out with
1: the little kids class. got a Well she hasn't been paid for yet.
0: Oh yeah, she has not <laughs> sorry I've been sick or caught staff. Yeah, you know how horrible staff is, Dave? It's worse. <laughs> I have staff, you know, and I feel sick and so I haven't paid his sister. <laughs> Otherwise, I, I would have paid her. So, um, yeah, no, no. She, she's working there now, and she's she's doing. Rob, what? So you're you're the foster guardian? Yeah. Do you want to explain what that is and how that works and and how the whole thing? How what's a foster care system like? How difficult is it? What was it like seeing them in there?
1: Yeah, the, you know, I've, I've obviously had some some dramas in my family and and whatnot. No family's perfect, and. You make it work the way you can, and um, they, they've been in foster care when they're much, much younger. You know, for the, the, the majority of their of their younger years, they were they were in the foster care system, which is, um, you know, I think I don't think I'm in a position to say whether it's good or bad because it's obviously a system that's needed, but how it's executed, I I, I don't agree with because obviously I've had a lot of dealing so. When they were first in the foster care, I wasn't—I wasn't even of age. I wasn't in a position to take them in my wing. I think I was just leaving school, so I, I had to go through a series of um, evaluations and tests and stuff just to get qualified enough to see them or to be a foster guardian and, and to, to, to go through the proper channels. And um, I think it's hard for any kid to be moved from a family to be moved from another family, to be moved from schools, to to lose friends, families, and and all their stability that they've ever known. So uh, it's hard. And I I really do feel for a lot of the kids in foster care and and for the system itself because there are a lot of workers that wish they could be doing more, that they just don't have the funds or or they don't have the groundwork or it's just not... It just can't be done at this point. So I I really do hope the, the whole foster care system can be reassessed and, and we can make it better for a lot of a lot of other kids that you know, unfortunately are still in this system in this program uh, but I managed to luckily get to a position where I was financially able to to take on my brother and sister because I, I didn't come from a big money uh, family of money so I, I went into the world with my own hands and that's about it obviously my, my father and mother gave me the best skill sets they, they could to, to make the best of my opportunities and I think I've done that pretty well but uh, it, I had to work my way up so when when I was in a position to take the kids in you know I jumped in it. and you know they, they live with me and they're, they're super happy and then they, Sophia loves them as much as I do probably more sometimes probably much more sometimes <laughs> but uh, but it's great you know we have a really good family and, family.
0: and they seem like they're really really happy like in, you know i watch watching like, them they're, they're grappling in them and that how I see them at grappling I should say and um, yeah they just seem like really really happy kids like they're really and on on that like can you imagine as well as, a, as working that that social work kind of scene like you can imagine how how hard it would be like yeah as teachers sometimes you see a kid and you're like
1: man come and live with me you know what I mean like then yeah, it would absolutely be hard yeah. it's it's hard I can't express how much I feel for the kids that are that are foster care the you ones know. aren't going home kind of thing yeah yet. the ones that they there is no home to go back to you know there's this and there's this oh, dude there are some stories that keep you up at night that you hear of like repeat offenders and stuff that go home and then something happens and they're back in and they're back out and people that go through like 10 20 families 20 different schools it's like how how are you supposed to how do you live like that? How do you how do you build any sort of support network, friends, family, any sort of normality with with, with that? So um, yeah, I think I think it's a lot of it's due to a lot of limitations on the on the whole system itself. But you know, there, are of, there are a lot of other people smarter than me you know, arguing this this topic. So <laughs> no, but it's interesting to get your your view on
0: it as well, and I think like um, it puts it adds perspective to who you are like as well like I don't think a lot of people know the story and it's not a sob story and and Rob to me anyway has never come across the person that gives a sob story and like you know oh poor me you know like
1: you, you can't because like I'm gifted I've been gifted like in, in other ways that other people haven't been you know and you want got to take the good with the bad sometimes. And it's not even bad sometimes. Sometimes it's just a change. And and change is good. But, like, sometimes when you go to these, the the fossil organisations, you see sometimes the kids are around that are just hanging out for the day or having an evaluation, you're like, come on with me, mate. Yeah. Come. Come with me. You just want to take them all in. Like, come with me. It's, uh, it's cool. That would be horrible, mate. I wouldn't,
0: like... No, honestly, like, my... Like that kills me Yeah, like if I see stuff like
1: that I'm like oh my god I want to take you know you know yeah. what I mean like Just shout out to the caseworkers mate yeah, honestly like I, I, I've dealt with a lot of them a lot of caseworkers and what they do and what they put up with is unbelievable like cause not not every separation is good and clean some are bad and they have to cop it. They cop both sides. They're on both sides of the phone. <laughs> Respect. Shout out, caseworkers. You guys are the best. They are. Some of those people, when you talk to them, and it's it's just incredible.
0: Um, people that have helped you come coming up, coming through, like. Uh, people that st- st- stood out not necessarily even that people are going to know like someone you know there might be there might be people that you I think okay especially people that helped you when I don't know they, they had no reason to help you that didn't know who you were way before maybe maybe while you were in primary school but people that, that stand out in your mind
1: um, I think first and foremost I'm going to have to mention my dad who was always he's very switched on and um, he didn't have the best resources to so obviously just buy me a mansion or buy me the training I needed or buy me this and buy me that but he he was a good dad and he did the right things for me and he he equipped me with the best skill set to to get out that he could you know and that's all you can really ask for in, in, in a family he was always there for him. you know ultimately everything derives from, from that so you, so
0: just to, to clarify do you want to tell us uh, who you were raised with
1: yeah so I'm um, yeah, I, I, me and my brother lived with my father. We, Which brother? Not little Henry. No, uh, I have another brother called Stephen. Uh, he's two years younger than me. And me and him live with my dad in Manai. That's where we grew up. And uh, yeah, that, that's that's where we grew up. As as teenagers, as young boys in the housing commission, just getting up to mischief. And um, my dad did that solo. He, um, he put up with a lot of crap. A lot of crap and um, during your teenage years yeah were you a bad teenage kid I wouldn't say bad I wasn't bad but I was a pain in the ass like I didn't make it easy you know what I mean and because uh, it's such an easy person to deal with now yeah man you know I like to He's think such that a, such an more, easy I oh, just get along with everyone and you know I'm, I'm a blessing to be around yeah you but, are but now <laughs> no my dad put up a lot of crap for me in my bar and um respect to sticking it through and not leaving us <laughs> um, yeah so the question was uh, people that have helped you see so your dad yeah my dad um, hmm, I think a big I, I'm gonna you might like it but I'm gonna a be a massive catalyst for me in, especially in terms of me as as an entrepreneur, as, as someone who wants to go out there and wants to be successful and wants to run their own business and wants to own multiple properties and wants to do right by myself and, and, and do the right things to get there, a massive catalyst for me was meeting you. Two oh, me? Yeah, you. Mr. Fabrizio he was. Uh, we well, won't talk about that. Uh, we'll talk. Yeah. Don't, don't talk about that. No, you. I have to. I have to. You brought it up it wasn't going there and, and we, we we had a sit down when this was just after the New Zealand fight and I was still going through those changes of okay I'm staying home now I'm closer with my family my family's good we, we're closer than ever we've gotten through the hardships that was being apart and being distanced and, and fracturing the relationship a little bit you know although I did some things I'm proud of I wasn't the man I wanted to be at that point and and after that point I sat down with you and obviously you saw my potential and where I could go but I I still had no idea but I, there's a part of me that always knew that it's like and it, it, it might be a part of every every fighter that you know you say that have that thing but I, I never I never look at a guy and say oh, I can't beat you or you will beat me I always no matter who it is the bigger guys lighter guys I look at them and I think I gonna beat you like, and that was when I wasn't training and stuff and it's always been there but I've never, never really backed myself never put two feet in and uh, sitting down with you, you you just spoke to me you spoke to me about a lot of things uh, about my training about where I wanted to go about perspective about goal setting and uh, you gave me a, you, you really did open up my eyes and mind to a lot of things that I think might have been there might have not been there but, but you solidified a lot of them you know, and, and in doing that, and I was receptive to it, I really was, I, I sucked it all in and I said, you know, this is it, this is, this is how I'm going to do this. And then I started working with you and we started walking closer together and you started introducing me to a lot of your contacts. And Andrew Canadley, you know, he's, he's been one of the biggest helps uh, moving through my career. He was the first man to sponsor me before I was anything like Uh, Shout out to Kaplan Holmes Shout out to Kaplan Holmes First man to sponsor me Before I was Anyone or anything This was You know I had one win From the back to back losses And he said Nah we can get you there We'll do it And he jumped on As a manager At that point as well So So yeah It was And and through through Your networks And and yourself Helping me And We just communicated Better with the other coaches And and started working together Towards a, a singular goal Of Let's be the best ever. And uh, what's funny is that you obviously, and you can elaborate further, you obviously saw my my potential and where I could go and where, you know, my faults or whatever I had and how to get around them. But you never mentioned to me about getting the championship or anything at that point. You said, you said if you train hard, I don't see why there's any reason you can't be in the top 15. <laughs> and I was like, Really? The top 15? That's so, there's, there's so many people to get through. And he goes, Man, I think you could do it. <laughs> and it was like, And then, yeah, maybe you take it from here because then we had a couple more discussions from that. And I'll let you take that one. Um, about how good I am as to- a <laughs> person.
0: Yeah, about how you're the ultimate role model. Yeah, I think um, I think that the the, the 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 thing for me the the, the thing that's helped me in coaching the most is uh, I think being a TAFE teacher for the, the, the time that I have been um, just because TAFE the way I, the, at least the way I understand it you know I'll probably say it's not fire me know, TAFE. Um, is yeah they go what?
1: <laughs> no, get, get him out of there
0: um, no I think for me the biggest thing is because um, I'm not like not really like a martial I'm, I, I like martial arts but I'm not a martial artist like as far as like um, there are heaps of better people in at the gym like, in my own gym let alone all the coaches. You only let people that can beat you. It's <laughs> yeah, 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 do the Selectively. <laughs> no, it's a, a identifying skill gaps and then creating the scaffolding for the educational processes to um, to be able to meet those skill gaps. So, for example, with with Rob or, or with anyone, for instance, if I sit down and I'm talking to him, I think we, you know we were speaking about it before. It's just identifying the fact that you, you're having a discussion about politics and then you ask someone to write an essay about politics. And then the essay comes back, it's not good, you give the kid zero and you walk off. And you go, kid doesn't know anything, read this essay, it's terrible. Then you sit back down with the kid and you go through it, you look at the essay again, you realize it's like full of spelling mistakes, blah, 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 blah. But when you talk to him, like, the subject content is fine. And with Rob, the subject content was fine, like he could fight. And um, I think I attribute your ability to fight as inherent and then I, I think you being with Henry for the amount of time that you were and, uh, and having the relationship with him I also believe that that that, that made you a ready made fighter at that, at that stage um, especially at, at a time where there were not many people doing MMA in, in Sydney um, so when I see the skill gaps in Rob I think there were a lot of the skill gaps were in as far as um Work ethic, we're concerned. Well, and, you know, we're all working on that. But, uh, like, understanding that if there's 24 hours in a day and, you know, eight of them are going to be spent sleeping, or well, what are you going to do with the rest of your time? There's that. There's the fact of um, really starting to see it as a job and as a career and the ability to to implement those things. But in fairness to, to Rob, like, he took it in because you can have this conversation... Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've had this conversation with people a million times as a teacher as well you can have it with staff members and people look at you with like you know like a, a dead shark on, L, on LSD like, <laughs> like that. and you're like good we had the chat and they're like, eh, yeah. like alright no sure. <laughs> you know but um, I think identifying the skill gaps was massive and having um, I think an understanding of like networks and how you use them and how it has to be reciprocated it has to go both ways with networks like you can't go to the world too many times you have to you have to go back and fill up the world you know um, but the skill gaps identification is probably my, my the only area that I really work in with Rob because we've got wrestling coaches jujitsu jitsu coaches striking coaches all of that and my main thing is that skill gap identification and you can take that as far as you want with whatever it is um, that's my role as far as I'm gonna go.
1: Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about Andrew? Yeah. So um, when I first got and in, got involved with you and and started wrestling in Cabra, uh, I met Andrew Cannelli, and uh, he he is a great guy. He he followed the sport, not not super close, but. No, no, don't say... He believes he does.
0: <laughs> he genuinely believes he does. He rings me something and gives some mad strategy. <laughs> and out of respect, I listen to him, but he's got no idea.
1: Come but, on. um... Yeah, I think I think he saw, you know, just a young kid who wants to get in and, and have, a, have a crack. And, you know, I think maybe as, as a friend, he, he took a leap and said, you know what, I'm going to help you out and, and, and jump on board. Because I, I didn't have a lot of things in place. I didn't, didn't have... A, I needed I needed structure and I needed I needed guidance. I really did at the beginning stages and, and Andrew jumped on board as my manager and and, and helped me out with the, the first sponsorship from Captain Holmes which was you know the kicking off point and but it made the biggest difference then because I wasn't I wasn't making a lot of money. I was I was losing fights and uh, you know I, I just I needed that chance to, to get back in there and approve. But then not not only did he jump on board as a as a sponsor and as a manager, but he also became my lead training partner. <laughs> he can wrestle. He became my lead. He wrestled wrestle his whole life. So, um, for like a lot of the a lot of the prep work for a lot of the fights, Adrian Canale would, would come in and just work work wrestling tirelessly with me on the wall wall drills for hours, like breaking sessions, and, and yeah, you know, he, he put in the work with me, and I think he was my 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 main sparring partner against. Brunson Brunson <laughs> like his main wrestling partner for Brunson yeah. was, was, was Andrew Kanatly manager slash sponsor slash builder so. I'll, I'll, I'll
0: just give a little bit of perspective as to who Andrew Kanatly is so Andrew Kanatly runs uh, Kaplan Homes and he also runs uh, Avoca Clothing he works he's worked in the building industry for you know as long as I can remember and he's uh, he's the man to build the houses for you if you if anyone's interested uh, like at, like can't can't say enough about him, and he's a person that like uh, so say for example, you, I'm kind of scared to ask him like if I say to him, "Hey Andrew, help us, you know, we're opening up a gym, and uh, can you help us out?" Tadaan, he says, "Yep." Yeah. And then so the gym at Gracie Smith and Grange, there's probably sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars worth of stuff there that like Alex and I didn't didn't factor in. You know, he 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 was the one that put in like time and effort and you know and at the cost of his own business he didn't have to and then when he was managing rob like when i'm saying he was managing rob he wasn't like oh i've got a couple of hours free i'm gonna ring the sponsor that i know no he was like full-time managing him. Oh, well at the same time he's running a building company and he's building i don't know how many houses a year i'm gonna butcher it so i don't even want to guess so the, he's working as a as a manager and uh, then coming in and wrestling. And coming in and wrestling that night, you know, running a building company. He's got a wife and kids. And uh, he's a very he's an exceptional human being, absolutely exceptional human being. So um, yeah, shout out to Andrew. Yeah, thanks mate. Um,
1: <laughs> Henry, do you wanna talk about Henry? Yeah, so um Henry this Perez This is not your little brother by the way, for yeah. anyone listening. Henry Perez my first my first ever ever coach. Um, I started Hapkido with him after I, I, I had done karate, and uh, Hapkido became MMA, and then I trained with him for MMA for ten years. And um, yeah, you know, he's another one of those role models that you said um, people that helped me at the beginning. Because uh, I think he was another guy that saw that I could fight and saw potential in me, and uh, and took me under his wing. You know, he really, really put in the work to. My training and and yeah, helped me along the way. And he became more than just a, a coach; he became a mentor, and, and you know, like a, almost like a second father figure for a while. And you know, I was close with him, and, 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 and all his sons as well. We all grew up together, and we, we just trained. You know, so I I think I, I owe a lot of my base fighting abilities to to, to Henry's work and, and, and Henry putting work for me. Uh, In recent days, recent years, I should say, we've, me and Henry have, going our separate ways for a little bit. I think it's time. You know, you, if you train with someone from when you were fourteen, all the way through to an adult, a grown man, it's time to realise that I need to spread my wings a little bit. You know, it's it's important for me to make and live and die by decisions that I make. So, uh, dude. I felt that it was, it was time that I just I just went out on my own adventure for a bit and then just you know tread my own path for a while and uh, we we're, we're cool still we are, uh, we you know maybe one day we, we get back together and we we work on businesses or, or, or train or gym work together at some other point but for right now we're, we're doing our own things. He
0: I spent a lot of time with him overseas with you and whatnot, like for for different camps. And uh, his style and his approach, in particular with your striking, is very, very prevalent in your style. How much, how essential is that to your development with your kicks, your unorthodox striking,
1: and whatnot? Um, it It was super important. I think. I think. If you look at the, the broad scope thing, I think every little bit of training I've done when I was younger has augmented into what it is now. I it's but uh, definitely stylistically, it, you know, Henry and me created my style, and and it's very unique to to, to me and, and what I do. You know, I think there's a lot of guys that try to out there to emulate it, but it, it's very hard because it is quite unique, I believe, and and, and hard to get by.
0: What's your relationship like with your, I suppose the guy who looks after all your grappling, which is Alex?
1: Alex Partez, yeah, he's my um, head grappling coach and uh, he's he's, a great relationship. He's uh, he's my coaching business partner and and, and just another mentor in my life right now. He's a a great, honest man and um, I really like like his work ethic and his mentality to, to combat as a whole really resonates with me. Like it uh, it really yeah, you know, I get it. He gets it and, and that's why we work so well together to and we get the results we do.
0: Yeah, Alex is also the head instructor for the GAP program, the basic jiu-jitsu program that we're on with TAFE and he's also Alec David Robert's sparring partner. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> tell us about that, David. Uh
2: it- it's a session of him Getting me on the mats Making me cry Like a little bitch And then me walking around <laughs> For the rest of the week In absolute pain And i love it. But, but he's so beautiful? gentle he, he's, he's such an awesome guy eh? Like he, you know, I've never met someone Who's just so willing To give And you know And yeah He's just fantastic And Yeah I, I like the training I, I, After doing one session I had a newfound respect For what both of you guys do And I and, um, I, I just know I'm so unfit <laughs>
0: What, what's um so you you what's the training like for you like what do you do with Alex what do I do with Alex because you're you're a beginner like uh, people people don't know like say are you a beginner uh, I,
2: I am it? a super beginner
0: um pro-
2: pro- probably um I think the first time ever I looked at sort of wrestling or grappling I came to you and you used to work out PCYC and um I just seen all the guys do all the spins on the heads And you do the flips and all that sort of stuff I think I'd done the warm up I got through the warm up And I thought that was the whole session But that was only the 10 minute warm up And I was like gone um, And then you just kept going But like yeah just the the, the level And the, the, the way how you do stuff I, I just love now Just having that peek into it and then hearing people comment on Facebook and stuff about fighting, and, and someone calling you, I said, Fab, you probably get heaps of calls now on. Hey, you, you should use this strategy from people who have actually never stepped on a mat before, even if it's for a fundamental class. Um, yeah, so pretty much what Alex does with me is pretty much gives me the the the, the fitness that I need to not die.
0: And uh, the thing I find uh, pretty amazing with Alex, apart from his work ethic, is that work ethic is like pretty much unrivaled like it's right up there with like Andrew or you know any of those guys that that, that works with us but um, he does like he teaches jiu-jitsu for Rob and all the other fighters and he coordinates all the grappling for for those guys gets in all different jiu-jitsu coaches different training partners organizes all of that has a family runs a gym and then teaches all the beginners classes teaches all the fundamentals classes all, all the different um, just and he's he's like his background is from I think he got his uh, he got his all his belts through uh, Mario Sperry from Brazilian top team uh, when uh, and Marilla Bustamante like the, the, that that's where he comes from that like Carlson Gracie school of, of jiu-jitsu is like it's a hard dude you know but then at the same time his his ability to to resonate and teach the the fundamentals classes the beginner classes to to, to, to everyone um, we're very very lucky to have him within that circle and then he runs all the Jiu Jitsu
1: stuff for the GAP program so that's that's Alex super lucky very super very lucky. lucky it's funny today I can't, I went in um, and grappled and uh, it was a death session it was it was death hard and uh, I thought it was going to pass out on one stage. it was hard and and Alex and I go to Alex and no Jacob goes, Alex, not bad for his first session. And Alex looks at me and goes, is your first session? And I said, and I go, yeah. And he goes, but you were there on Saturday. And I was like, well, okay, second session. He goes, second session, stop crying.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, uh, another guy,
0: Another guy, two, two other dudes, uh, both Justins, Justin Lane and Justin
1: Fitzgerald. Um, how do you feel about them? So, um, Justin Fitzgerald is, is my head boxing coach. He, uh, he's worked with me since the beginning as well, since we started making big changes and started on our... our We'll say our title won, so when I entered the middleweight division started getting a lot of success, he was he was a part of it. And um, this was back when we were wrestling. I personally feel Justin <coughs> came on board after we started being successful. <laughs> I feel like um, at Cabramatta, when I was going out Cabra to Cabramatta to wrestle at the PCYC, Justin would come in also and we'd go down to one of the abandoned rooms and, and do our paid sessions in there, and that's kind of where we started. And uh, wait can
0: you can you explain that too like a cabra PC because people don't get that, like as well, like he like we had like we had like this little squash court room yeah. and it was just like me, him and Gurian, this Macedonian dude I'm pretty sure is like legally crazy. Yeah. <laughs> He's like certified insane. So he he we used to be in that squash court and do like the
1: boxing and the wrestling and the showers were moldy and shit yeah it was gross it was it was really gross but um, no, we, we, we got the work in there though and we we got the results um, but that's how me and Justin's uh, relationship started and it was it's been uphill ever since we, he's since opened up his own gym at Stand Strong Boxing in Minto and uh, I go there now and we we hit pads all the, all the guys go there now and our boxing and stand up ability has just gone through the roof we, he's really touched up on a lot of little a little little small details and you know it's made the biggest differences in, in my fights and performance and training um, not to mention he's just a top bloke. Like, he's a great guy he's very smart very clever very in tuned with, with, with striking um, he's also he's worked with a bunch of
0: different guys mm-hmm. I think he was in Sakio's corner um, during you know, a bunch of title fights and um, yeah Sakio Biko we're talking about and you know he's worked with a whole Bunch of guys out of Team Fennec and that as well. He's been in the field for a long
1: time, and you know, he's been around some high caliber fighters. Justin Lang? and um, Justin Lang is is a guy that I actually we used to roll way back in TP days. When it, that's how our relationship started. That's how I knew him through. And then uh, once we once we established some sort of semblance of order in my training and some consistency, we. I needed a strength and conditioning coach, but one that agreed with me because I'm very. I need I need things to work out like not not every trainer and coach is going to agree with you and 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 then work at the work the the best way that you need it to be. So um, when I met Justin Justin Lang and we spoke and he we spoke about his ideology about fitness and, and training and, and how it should be and, and we did a session, I just got him back. You know, he's, he's head of all my rehab, prehab, strength and conditioning. <coughs> Where's that at? Is that at Cronulla St- um... Miranda. Miranda, sorry, Miranda Live Athletic. You know, I, I head down there three days a week and get all my work in. Um, and I think the, the last coach in that
0: mix there <coughs> is um, Stu. So yeah, Stu McKinnon. So, um... Can I just say one thing about Stu? Uh, have you seen Stu McKinnon? Oh. Right, he looks like, like the roughest student in the world and he talks like this like the roughest dude. student yeah. but the words that come out of his mouth when you talk to him he's like a, like a super nice guy All right but even when he texts you yeah. like I get texts of him and the words are like hope you have a nice day mate or something like that but I never read them in my voice
1: I always read them in his voice and it's like it's at odds it's like, hope you have a good day mate and <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's a top guy I um, I I met him through, I, we were looking up top kickboxers and striking guys to for sparring partners. We were looking up a lot of different guys, and um, I think you said like the, the best kickboxers in Australia, is is kidding, You know, get out there and, and, and suss it out. And I, I, I called up and said, hey man, this is it right if I come down and spar a bit or we'll work some pads with you. And um, I went out there, did some pads, did some sparring, and mate fell in love with it. uh, He's he's so talented. He's got a wealth of knowledge. He's had a ton of fights. And um, there's another another one of those things where his mentality behind combat as a whole really resonated with me. And uh, just working with a a guy like of that calibre is just you know how can't I be getting better? So. Yeah, that, that started off a really you know, really fruitful relationship and we've been working together ever since as well. His bro- he and his brother, so two brothers,
0: <clears> they're like genuinely good guys. Like really, really genuinely good guys. And uh, they, they're
1: so tough, dude. So, so tough. Like His brother, oh, Steve. Steve's his father. Yeah, Steve is like one of the toughest dudes I know. If you've seen him fight, you'll understand. Bro. Wow, and they've been like legitimately of, like, like, like they're, Tough, tough. They've been in hundreds of fights. Kickboxing is not easy. Like it's, in my opinion, it's way tougher than MMA. Like it's the toll it takes on your body is huge. Um, just kind of enclosing anyone we should
0: be looking at. In, in regards to what coming up, anyone that you
1: that you maybe trained with you works with. Yeah, you. definitely. Um. I, I've mentioned this before in other interviews and stuff that I have the best team in the world and I stand by that. And my training partners reflect that, you know, I have a bunch of guys coming up, you know, Jacob Malkoon, David Francis, Izzy fit Fitkefu. Um, coming up. And some younger guys also coming up that are uh, still building their skill gaps, but we've got those three guys who are main, primary sparring partners. They're, they're in the gym with me, sweating, bleeding, fighting with me every day. We wrestle together, box together, spa together, and um, we're a tight-knit group. And our work ethic and, and programs and, and, and systems that we have in place is starting to reflect that. And the caliber of my training partners, in my opinion, is a lot higher than that of a lot of dudes in the UFC right now. But um, we're doing the right things, we're building their skill sets up to a level where oh, they're just gonna walk through people. And um, yeah, you know, I, I, I think, I think my success is reflective a lot to the people I have around me, such as my coaching staff, my friends, my, my, my sponsors, my, and my, my
0: training partners. What do you think also, because you and one of your training partners had a really good win on the weekend.
1: Uh, Tyson, what did you think of that? Uh, that was absolutely amazing. Uh with Tyson in the lead up before I got really sick and and then, you know, had to, had to step away and, that was, some, that was slick. He was he was winning in the hands the whole the whole fight. I believe he was, was just a matter of time. Big leg kick. He got that dude. Yeah, that. massive. And the other guy's tough. Ass. And he rocked him like a bunch of times, a bunch of shots, and then to pull off that that slick Kimura was absolutely was on point. I messaged that to him. Like he was on point. He was slick. I've never seen him do it in training, but. but but I'm glad he doesn't though no, I mean, he'd rip your arm I put a have taken my socket out with it that was, that was unreal You know, I think he's going to go a lot of places and oh, he's, he's got all the tools, I think yeah, For sure Yeah, he's, he's going to be tough for a lot of those other guys What do you think uh, him, What's he like to have uh, in training with, for you? He's great He's a great guy He's, uh, he's funny and, and fun to be around But he's tough, strong and athletic He, he can get the training He's a great partner you know, um, he's a big dude too. he's a, he's <laughs> he's very, not, he's a huge he's dude he's very big he's very big but he's he's not he's not he's not bad about it you know, he doesn't try to hurt you or try to injure you he, he's, a, he's a sweetheart what a sweetie <laughs> yeah. what about um, favourite fighter of all time my favourite fighter of all time is Bam Bam me yeah, too, Bam Bam. Bam My favourite <laughs> fighter of all time Why, Rob? You're just saying that Because you're scared of him I am
0: scared of him <laughs> <laughs> You know what he reminds me of? Every kid I've ever been scared of When you're
1: growing up Like big, giant kid No, he's He um, he impressed me with that last fight Skill-wise and MMA-wise He impressed me he, he dismantled that guy And, um But On a personal level I like his attitude He, uh He's rough around the edges. He is who he is, and he doesn't care. He doesn't care what you think. He doesn't care what you think. He's running his own agenda, his own ship, and he likes fighting. And uh, I have jumped on the bandwagon. I, I, I'm petitioning for a lead spot on the bandwagon. Actually,
0: me too. <laughs> me too. I guess that, that's us, anyways. Let's let's wrap it up. We're running out of time because we have only a little few hours in the day. Um, thanks heaps eh, Dave and Ross and uh, hope people watch us again
1: yeah well this is the first one it's been a little rough Uh, we've got some learning curves to get around but uh, yeah we're just going to get them out there and yeah if you want to listen listen if you don't don't care (laughs) thank you (laughs) thanks Dave